Yes, guys, welcome back to the Original Judo Podcast. I'm James Austin, and I'm delighted to be joined by, uh, she's a Tokyo Olympian. She has taken a Pan American silver. She took a fifth place at the recent Doha Worlds. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome Priska Alcaraz to the show. Priska, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. I'm very good. Very pleased to be to be on the on the podcast, the, the famous <laughs> podcast now. So I don't know. I don't know about that. I think um, you've been very kind when you say that. Um, so. <laughs> If people are, if the people are watching judo, they're going to definitely know who you are. Um, but if not, or they're new to the sport, could you just give us a little bit of background about yourself, how you got involved in the sport, and then maybe some of your career highlights? Yeah, so I'm Priska, um, Priska Wheatley Alcaraz, full name, um, from London in England, but I represent Mexico in the sport judo. I started judo when I was eight. Um, I used to do gymnastics before actually, but then switched over uh, to judo. Um, and yeah, started an Enfield Judo Club, been part of Enfield Judo Club, which is in North London for pretty much my whole life. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much, I guess, background. On me. I'm 27 years old. There you go. I don't think I said my age, but yeah, I'm 27. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you. you... Come, do you come from a family of judo players? Obviously, we've had your older brother, Phil, on the show um, a couple of years ago now. Like, is judo in the family? Or, again, has it just been the two of you guys in a couple of... Uh, no, so in, I'm one of five. It's me and my four brothers who um, do judo. Well, actually, me and my two youngest still compete, and my oldest one's a coach. The other one kind of trains here and there isn't really isn't isn't competing or coaching much anymore um but we kind of followed like my cousins so my cousins started off doing judo first and we weren't the original the original Alcarest judo family unfortunately um but I think a question we get a lot is about like any of my parents did judo um the answer is no none of my mum or dad did judo Uh, we just happened to fall into it because of my cousins and yeah it just kind of stuck with with all of us how about like some of your career highlights so I think career highlights are more in my recent years of judo. I mean, qualifying for a Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, which was 2021, that's obviously probably like the, one of the biggest highlights, it's like a dream come true there, isn't it? qualifying for the Olympic Games. Um, but this year in March, I won my first Grand Slam medal um, in Uzbekistan. And then following that was my fifth at Worlds, which also, you know, probably career best result. Um, and then bronze in my last competition which was the Austria Grand Prix so this year's started off pretty <laughs> pretty well. Pretty amazing and uh, obviously like stands you in a great position uh, looking ahead to Paris in terms of qualifying. So you talk about being from uh, Enfield Judo Club Quick one on Enfield. Enfield have produced, like, certainly over the last 10 years, some <laughs> fantastic players, like, from y- yourself and your brother. Um, but obviously, recently we've got Reese Thompson, Wesley Greenish, both part of the GB setup at the moment. Um, what is it about the club that's led to that success? I'd love to say, uh, you know what, I think we just have a really, like, it's a really, we're big on, like, the family vibe. I think everyone always gets behind each other and supports each other, you know, whatever level 
um, we're at, I think, uh, George um, Hislop at Enfield Judo Club, you know, head coach, he's been there since I started. I think he's a massive reason why a lot of us stayed on with judo. Um, I think, you know, he was really good at supporting everyone, regardless of what level they wanted to achieve, you know, whether it was just the odd competition here or there, whether you wanted to be, you know, make the Olympics, be Olympic champ, whether you just wanted to be kind of um, continental open medalist, you know, he was always there supporting you and all your decisions. And I think that created a real family vibe in Enfield. And I think even now, like, I joined Enfield when I was eight and, you know, some of the, some of the guys from Enfield Junior Club are my best friends now. So I think we just, yeah, it's just that family vibe that keeps people motivated. Amazing. Um, and yeah, again, like building, building on that again, you are now representing Mexico. Um, I know you, this is your second kind of full Olympic cycle, but you were on the periphery in 2016 as well. when there was like an absolutely stacked under 63 kilo category in GB. Like you would have been really young at that stage. I don't know if you thought of yourself as on the periphery, but like, I think certainly a lot of people were aware of who you were at that stage. Like what goes into the nationality change? Like what's led to that? I think it was a couple of different things. Um, like I feel like I wasn't getting the recognition that I felt I deserved from GB. Um, I wasn't getting, you know, tournaments, especially when I moved to seniors, you know, at Cadet, I was like, I think it was quite hard for me that change from cadets then juniors I was still kind of like here and there the 63 category and juniors was like stacked there's like four or five of us um that were going away and um, I didn't move to the center of excellence in Warsaw I was at Bath so that also didn't give me priority as one of the 63s to go away so um it was like yeah I was just kind of a bit on a on a downer I guess that like I will, like I said, I was I felt like I wasn't getting the opportunities that I felt I deserved um, by juniors, and then come seniors, I kind of knew, you know, there's there was three or four sixty threes at the centre. I was like, if I'm not at the centre, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be selected for anything, and I didn't want to go to the centre. So it was just kind of, I think I was on the verge of, you know, do I quit? Um, do I carry on doing what I'm doing? And then. Um, the, the option came up to to uh, fight for and represent Mexico. So along with you know some other difficulties, I suppose with British judo, it was like yeah, that, it was just a no-brainer really. Awesome. And then how have you been received by the Mexican team? I realise you are in Mexico at the moment. Um, is that a permanent move? Is that a yes. training <laughs> thing? How how have you been received? What what's um, a lot better than I was actually quite scared at the beginning I guess you know like going over to a new country you know changing from another country it was kind of like I guess it can go two ways it can either go the team doesn't really get on with you because they're like oh who's this you know person coming over and who's not really been part of the team before almost you know trying to take one of the places off us but it went in the complete opposite direction and they were so lovely like from day one they met me they were just so welcoming and yeah just so happy to have me and now I feel like it almost feels like I've never, I've always kind of been in a team. Like, I don't feel like I'm new or I don't feel like I only came recently. Like, yes, it's that, it reminds, it's that family vibe here, you know, like everyone gets behind each other and everyone supports each other. And it's like that cultural difference. Uh, I, I really, really, really like it. 
so uh as part of my research then um i obviously have found that you've done a couple of other podcasts and a couple of other interviews some of which in mexican um spanish spanish yeah sorry amateur yeah, hour again it's fine. uh <laughs> how have you found that are you have you always been fluent or um again is that something you've had to pick up along the way um i've always like i've always been able to speak spanish um not like super super fluent but i guess being in mexico and being the team helped a lot um i like I think you can see kind of the evolution of my Spanish from the first interviews I did to like interviewing now. Like it's a lot more, my Spanish is a lot more fluent now. So um, at first I did get really nervous, more for the Spanish rather than like anything they were going to ask me. I just wanted to be able to. But now it's, it's, it's good. And like um, I live kind of like half the year in Mexico and then the rest is traveling or in the UK or wherever else I need to be. So. I'm like speaking Spanish a lot more than I'm speaking English now. How how has that been like on the mat when you've had um, like a coach in your chair, for instance? Has that been a a barrier, or is again, is something you've just adjusted and you've you've formed your own kind of language? And now or, or now again, like you if you're, you're more comfortable, is it a thing? It was take it took a while at first. Um, it was like tough because it was like one my Spanish wasn't great too. I've always, like, in Mexico, I've always had Cuban coaches as well. So their Spanish, I find even harder to okay. to, um, to understand than, like, than Mexican uh, accent Spanish. So it was, like, at first it was really hard because I wasn't even thinking in Spanish. I was translating what they were saying to me from English, like, from Spanish into English. And trying to do that on the mat was just, yeah, it was, it was pretty hard at first. Um, but then, yeah, now it's a lot easier. Uh, I think learning like a lot of the judo terms they use as well was hard. So, of of before we talk about judo again, of all my interviews that you've done, my absolute favourite. I think you're doing it to a TV camera and you end up throwing um, a couple of the guys, and the poor guy who goes first <laughs> is absolutely dying. He's terrified. <laughs> Um, second guy's way more dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. But the I, first guy. I wasn't. I didn't expect him to throw them. <laughs> I think that was one of my favourite interviews as well. Like, it was pretty funny. It was pretty chilled. They were like, yeah, the same. It's not really anything formal and stuff. Um, and then yeah, at the end, they were like, oh, you know what would be really good for like for videos if you throw them. And I was like, what? It was just like plain floor. They didn't put a mat down or anything. It was just I know. It looked like whoa, this is gonna go wrong. <laughs> But the, the worst, yeah, but the worst thing is at first I did it like really nice because I obviously didn't want it to fall. And then the, and they were like, now nah, you have to do it hard so it looks like a proper. And I was like, it's gonna hurt if he falls on the floor. And they were like, yeah, yeah. All the rest were like, yeah, don't worry, he's fine. And he was like, oh, okay, brilliant. <laughs> Amazing, love it, absolutely love it. I do like the, the the third guy. Like he tapped out. He was like, nah, that's not for me. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> um. So looking at your career, you've you've kind of talked about it before like what was the turning point for for Tokyo like when did you know you would be going I think you said that or again I think you've talked previously about how halfway through the cycle you maybe weren't sure and that the Paris was always going to be the longer term aim but what stage did like Tokyo become like a viable goal for you um I think yeah when I like first made moving to Mexico it was like okay you know what if they give me opportunities, it'd be great to just kind of get a feel for, you know, the international circuit first and then, you know, 
Paris will be like my first Olympic Games and then LA is like where we go, you know, kind of hard, hard. And um, it got maybe like halfway through the through the Olympic cycle and I got a fifth place in Budapest. Um, and it kind of bumped me up the Olympic rankings quite a bit. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think that was the bit when I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to put pressure on myself to make it. But, you know, coaches kind of sat me down and was like, it's possible that you could go to like Tokyo Olympic Games. You know, if you stick a couple more results and um, keep training hard and stuff, you know, it, it is a possibility. And the same, it was kind of like, it's quite hard to to take it not like at full blast and be like, okay, we're going for Olympic Games. It was kind of like a, okay, I know it's a possibility, but it also isn't a possibility. So I didn't want to like say, yeah, I'm going to go to Tokyo Olympic Games because then if I didn't, I would have just, you know, crashed down. So I think at the beginning it was like, ah, oh, okay, um, take it how it is. And then, so I got that first like fifth place and I got a fifth place in the Grand Slam in Abu Dhabi a couple months later. And I think after the Grand Slam in Abu Dhabi, I was like, okay, we'll push, we'll push for the games. And that was when I like, yeah, started fighting um, a lot more um, at the events. And it was hard because like, didn't go as well as 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 I wanted it to. Um, once I decided to push and put that pressure on myself, it almost started going worse than when I was just like, you know what, we'll take it as it is. So it was like trying to find that balance of don't push too hard, but also don't relax too much, you know. So. Were you the only um, Mexican athlete trying to qualify through that period as well? Because obviously you end up being the only athlete who makes the qualification standards. Um, were there a group of you? Were you the only one? And then what was it like going to the games as the, the, the sole judo player? Um, no, there was a group of us trying to go for, for, for the games, um, but I was the only one in the end to qualify. It was, it was actually quite um, hard, I think, for me because... Um, I always, for, well, for most of the Olympic qualification, I had the Continental Quota, um, and we were always trying to push for me to get in direct. I was like, I think I ended up qualifying two places or a place out from direct, um, and it was like quite, heart, I think heartbreaking for me and heartbreaking for the girl that was behind me as well, because at the World Championships, which was the last qualifying event for um for Tokyo I had to make it to the quarterfinals and if I'd made it to the quarterfinals that would have bumped me enough enough points to qualify directly and she would have taken the continental quota. and I lost in I was like against uh, so in round three which is the fight before the the, the, the quarterfinals I was up against um Barrios I'm replaced Barrios Venezuelan yeah. girl four lot of times um I I've never beat her actually and this was like one of the best times I've ever fought her um we, we were like one one Shido's, then she was down two one Shido's, and I got second Shido. Went to Golden Score the first time I've ever been in Golden Score with her, like it's done really well. I just made a really stupid mistake and like went in for a throw and completely lost my grip, and they gave me Shido for like first attacking. And I was just so I think I was more gutted for my teammate than for me in that point because I was like so close to obviously helping someone else qualify but it's like it's such a horrible I think for me it was like because we had COVID as well before I was just so kind of I just wanted qualification to be over I was just like 
whether I qualify or not, or whether I qualify or not, I just want the game to be over because I was just, it was just, it just dragged out a lot and it was so much stress, you know, on points and, um, but yeah, in the end, I was the only one who qualified. I qualified off continental quota, um, and it was like I had a, a great time at Olympic Games. You know, it was my first Olympic Games. It was incredible, but it was also during COVID, um, and you know, I always kind of, I guess, when I dreamed about making my first Olympic Games, you know, my family would be there, you know, it'd be like this whole, I, I think it was like, a, a, it was a bit bigger than it was, because, you know, we weren't allowed to go. It was still amazing being in the village, being with all these athletes that even at the time, me, I'm like, these people are famous, you know, they're, and then you're just chilling with them, you're in, eating in the same place as them, you know, you're sleeping. It's, it was it was crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that was one side that was kind of like, I felt like was missing was, you know, my family being there and, and having that like spectator kind of experience with the Olympic Games, which ultimately has pushed me a lot more in, in, in this cycle is to, you know, mm-hmm. make it to my, my second Olympic Games, which hopefully will have like the full Olympic. Oh, I've lost you again. <laughs> we lost you just at the point you were saying you're hoping to get that kind of full Olympic experience okay. in Paris. Okay. Um. So kind of like again, staying with Tokyo, because it was such an unusual games. Was it isolating, in in the fact that you end up being this the the sole member of the team, um, within what is effectively like quite an isolated um event. It, it wasn't that you know it was like in the village it was fine because we had all been tested and everyone you literally had to take your like COVID test every single morning to like the place like in the village it felt like a a normal multi-sport like I imagine what a normal what Olympic game would feel like you know there was no isolating in the actual village you could go to you know other people's blocks you could there was none of that but it was just like when you went out you know the streets were completely empty like from the village to the venue the streets were completely empty and then like yeah there was not there wasn't spectators or there wasn't this whole kind of like I guess what you'd imagine Olympic Games would be like you know I think it was in the village it did feel like Olympic Games but then when you go out of the village it was like Oh, okay. It's a COVID Olympic Games. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine as well. There's a a bit of it. It being in in Japan, that's a little yeah. bit heartbreaking that you miss out on the crowds and the atmosphere. Especially for judo. Yeah. Of course. But then, if it was going to be anywhere else, um, the next place I presume on that list would be Paris. Paris. Yeah. Paris. Um, I feel like it's going to be wild for judo. Definitely, it's going to be very exciting and you uh look like a completely different athlete um you were talking about taking a grand slam silver in tashkent earlier this year and again like i'm if i'm being patronizing i'm sorry but since then like the confidence you, you had on the mat on that day and then since then you look like you could have anyone I, I know you lost to was it Horikara in the final there and then you just dealt with was it Horikara in the final there and then you dealt with yeah, it at the world yeah <laughs> um what has that been a turning point or am I was there was there something before that is, it, is there a new sense of belief um I think definitely definitely like confidence has gone up I think the last cycle the mentality was like you know, I'm this kind of, I was the underdog coming in and it was like, oh my God, you know, 
I'd never really fought against all these big names before. And it was like kind of overwhelming pressure of being on the same stage as people that were like, you know, my idols. Um, I think one of the big examples I fought Clarice Oveganu in the Worlds in 2019. In Tokyo? Yeah. 2019. And I just, I felt like a deer in headlights. I felt like I just kind of froze and I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm fighting someone who up until today and still now is, you know, my idol. And it was like, I don't know what to do. And I think that happened a lot um, with quite a few like people in the last cycle. And I think this cycle was just, you know, the, for the beginning part of the year, I just kind of, I was doing a lot of camps and I was fighting a lot of the best people. And it was just doing like, camps um one after the other and fighting the best people one after the other and realizing that you know what i'm not actually i i'm not that far away and if not i'm on par with a lot of them like i was throwing a lot of them so that was like it was just changing that mentality of when i went into um went into uzbekistan i had fought a lot of the people that i was yeah. really going to fight in the camps leading up to it and i was like oh you know what actually i'm thinking oh when i fought them this time it wasn't it wasn't the gap wasn't as big whereas in the Tokyo cycle, I didn't do as many camps and I didn't have that feeling for all the players as I do now. Um, and I think that literally that just change of mindset before you go into a fight really helps is, you know what, I'm actually, I can actually give these people fights now rather than thinking, oh my God, it's this person. Oh my God, they're world bronze medalists. Oh my God, it's this person, you know? And it just, yeah, it just, it helps me think a lot clearer and it helps me make better decisions um, in, in, the, in the contest. Yeah, we've just seen you, uh, you two weeks after the Worlds, we see you out in the Austrian Grand Prix again. You take another bronze, another great performance. Um, when are we going to see you out again? So next weekend, um, we have the Central American Games, Central American Caribbean Games. That's my next event. Um, so for that, we've had like a kind of um, prep camp. So I had to take a bit of time off um, kind of world tour stuff. Um, but the next world tour Olympic qualifier, uh, that will be fighting and it will be the Masters, which is beginning of August. Oh, amazing. Um, and again, the, the, the Central American Caribbean Games itself ends up being quite a, a, a tough event. Yeah, two in the top ten, so Cuban and the Venezuelan, and then me. Um, Colombian is quite, it's quite hard, so yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a tough event in my, in my category. Um, you mentioned uh, fighting Clarice back in 2019 um, and that being like this experience fighting someone who's your hero. Um, yeah. She obviously makes a return in Doha. Are you aware of like her being back on the map, being back in the field? Again, are you like in a confident place? What What was that like? Yeah, I was quite good. I really, I actually at Worlds, I really wanted to fight Clarice. You know, whether I'd won or lost, I kind of, I want to, I think she's one player that I want to fight at least once before Paris, um, just to kind of get a feel again in my new, I'd say my new confidence fighting her um, before, because I fought her in Paris camp and I thought I felt good, you know, um, but I want to really get a feel of her from competition. Uh, I feel like she's someone that, yeah. So in, in at Worlds, I was like, oh, you know, I wanted to get a feel for her in some way it would be you know the next big thing after before the olympic game is kind of the world champs so it would have been and on her return as well i feel like dealing with that that pressure um would have been a good thing but yeah i'm looking like i'm excited i'm looking forward to being able to hopefully fight her at, at one event 
they might be the masters who knows but yeah <laughs> love that um one of my bog standard questions if you look back throughout your whole career is there a contest or an event where you go actually that was me at my best or my best so far as I'm aware that the career is still going loads of time left um I think maybe the world was like a big thing for me um you know I was like absolutely gutted that I didn't end up on the podium I feel like probably one of the best days best performances I've ever had probably some of them fights um but I think against the world champion, that was kind of like, it was kind of surreal, um, really, I think. I think because as well, I fought her twice before and twice before she's beat me quite easily. So it was like, you know, it was like the third time I kind of had the strategy down now. I was like, I kind of went in and I was like, you know what? I fought before, I know kind of what she does. And it was like the mentality of, you know what? If I lose, no biggie. But if I win, you know, that's like, I'm making history, you know, I'm the first of a lot of things, you know, because I'll make it to the quarters and then, you know, making history for Mexico, but also making history for myself, you know, it would be like, I beat the world champ. And I think that was like the energy I went in with. It was like, you know what, if I win, that will be like a big deal. And when I threw her, it was like, it was, the whole day was kind of surreal. It did take a couple of days for me to kind of sit down and be like, wow world you know no <laughs> and he didn't just throw her as well it was like highlight real huge yeah. sassai his agreement whatever it was massive beautiful the was just the fight together was just like pretty good like I feel like mm. I just stuck to the strategy and you know I didn't lose I think that's that was something that kind of old, old Prisca would say wasn't very good at it's just sticking to a strategy even though I feel like I'm a person that always wants to throw and always wants to kind of get big throws I get frustrated when I don't so sticking to a strategy even though I wasn't throwing you just keep going keep going that was like I think that was like a proud thing for me and then obviously throwing her and going to score I was like yes I don't have to defend anything just done <laughs> get me out of there how do you stay like grounded after that like like you say you've just been the world champion yeah, how do you switch back on? How do you refocus for that next fight? I think it's just, I think it's good energy. It's good energy that you kind of, that that helped, you know, it was like that confidence of, I'm kind of, I knew at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm at my best. I'm here to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at my best. And then think in that point, I realized kind of, I can be one of the best. And I think I'd never fought before, even though I'd beat people, like, even when, you know, I got silver in Tashkent and I beat um, Lesky, who is mm. world silver medalist now, who had been world silver medalist before, I never felt that, you know, okay, I'm, I can be one of the best in the world. You know, I'm, I'm part of, like, I feel like I'm part of a group now that people are kind of nervous to fight me, whereas before I was probably like, oh, you know what, Prisca, Mexican, you know, she's all right, but, and I feel like now... I have a different confidence and I feel like instead of me coming out, I am nervous when I come out, but I feel like maybe the people than me and I think that's a that's like a a confidence booster in itself. Amazing. Um, Prisca, if people want to kind of follow your journey, like through judo towards Paris, um, yeah, past the Central American Caribbean games, Panams in the future, like where can they find you? Where are you at on social media? Um, I got Instagram. I think Instagram is the thing I use most. I have 
Facebook and Twitter, but I'm not, not so great on them. I have to be reminded. But I'm start, I'm going to start to vlog again. I used to vlog quite a bit um, on YouTube. Is that the YouTube channel? P-Vlog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 P-Vlog. Um, so I've started doing, like, uh, I'm going to start vlogging again. Uh, I'm actually finishing editing up some, some vlogs now, so um, hopefully I'll try and remember and, and be more active on there. But, yeah, Instagram, Prisca Alcaraz is where I'm most active, um, competitions and all that stuff, so. Awesome. Um, yeah, I would tell everyone to go and check out yeah your YouTube channel as well. It's very entertaining. Some of the lockdown stuff. Yeah. The lockdown all, stuff. All yeah, quality. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Priska, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining the show. Um, yeah, thank you very much for your time. No, thank, thank, thank you for having me on here and me let me tell a bit of my story. <laughs> Guys, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, All the usual nonsense, like, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. I will catch you soon.